The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! Yeah, we both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup! That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, March 8th, and I almost died this weekend. What happened? I got food poisoning or some kind of norovirus. Um, I'll spare the details, but let's just say coming out of both ends like a fire hose, I could not function on Saturday, which was like our biggest day for viewing uh, between Finney's betting corner and the UFC and the NBA stuff going on. I was in bed. I woke up in the morning. I was supposed to work at like 7.30. I called my boss at like 6.45. Like, hey, I I don't know if I'm going to make it in. I'm feeling a little nauseous. And then all shit hit the fan. And brother, I didn't eat for 24 hours. I was so dehydrated. My skin hurt. It it was a really bad day. But you know what? I'm alive. I'm functioning. It was 70 degrees today. So I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, that sun probably felt great today. I felt like a gremlin. I like, I did not leave my apartment for two days. It it was, it was so bad. And then today I woke up and my roommate's usually gone from, for work. By the time I wake up, it was like 1030 and I heard him and I was like, Oh no. So I knock on his door and I just hear, Oh, what? And I was like, Oh no, I got him sick. Um, yeah, that's, that's wild, but at least you got through it. Yeah. And shout out Philadelphia Water Company because they shut off our water for about three hours today and didn't tell us why. And we both were sick. So I'm assuming the water was contaminated. But, you know, a little uh, a little heads up on that would have been great, but can't expect much from them. That's that Philly charm for you. Hell yeah. Uh, well, on a more fun note than me almost dying, we had some huge news today. Honestly, like the first high profile case of this in sports since legalized gambling, Calvin Ridley has been suspended for one year from the NFL for gambling on NFL games. He was accused of it after an investigation started on February 9th by the NFL. The Falcons had been fielding calls from other teams about trades and respectfully declining because they knew the situation was ongoing. And Calvin Ridley responded by saying, I don't have a gambling problem. And he also tweeted that, he couldn't even watch football at the time he made the bets because he was out and it was dis- he was distraught over that. And he promised to be more healthy when I come back and that I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. Uh, Ridley said he bet a max of $1,500 on games. I'm seeing from other sources that it was much more than that, but nothing is confirmed yet. Uh, the NFL determined that Ridley placed a multi-leg parlay uh, bets involving three, five, and eight games that included the Falcons to win via his mobile device out of state. 
So he's a parlay man. Got to respect that. And uh, your thoughts on Calvin Ridley, Finn? Well, the fact that he bet parlays, like I might have to buy a jersey. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that was my thought too. That comes into my next question. How much did his jersey sales increase today? I like, mean, I, I, I want to buy one. I wonder if they like had to pull that shit down since he's like out of the, like suspended now, probably on the commissioner's exempt list. I did see that Goodell in his letter, I think it was, said that he cooperated fully. Like he came in when he was supposed to come in, interviewed, did all that jazz. But I think it's fucking bullshit, in my opinion. If, if he didn't bet, if my ideology with betting on sports is if you don't bet against your team, I think you should be able to do it. it it's, a tough, it's a tough line because if you let some people do it and not other people do it, then how do you monitor all the betting going on? How do you monitor everything? How do you block certain things? It's really tough. I don't blame Ridley because, like, who doesn't want some action on the games if you're going to sit down and watch him? But it seems like reasonable grounds to suspend a player. And if you really want players not to do it, a year suspension seems right. Because if they only gave him like three games, then other guys would do this. Um, I still think it's hilarious. And I'm still like a fan of Calvin Ridley for this. Because not only is he throwing action on games, like he's throwing action on parlays, on games he has absolutely no bearing over. Uh, He doesn't really have insider knowledge because he's away from the team. He's not talking to anybody. Uh, I don't know. It's, It's not... It's not like a bad look for him, but I think the suspension is justified. I need this, like he, in this year off, he needs, and I say needs to have an NFL betting podcast. Oh yeah. I mean, if he's going to be out for a year over it, then like he definitely needs to do it and roll into the troll. Get like a FanDuel sponsorship or a, like, I am dying to hear what Portnoy says. If he says like, yeah, I'm going to hire him for like, two, $3 million to have a betting, a football betting podcast or to be on our football betting show. Like, dude, that would be so electric. And he just parlays this suspension into just another opportunity to like, imagine how much insight he knows about like all these teams, all these players. He's like, damn, they're only a three and a half point favorite. Like, Oh, they're going to run it up on them. Like I, I need to know how much he knows about football and like betting and why he picked the games. Like I die to know. I wonder what the line is too. Cause like, I'm sure Adam Schefter's allowed to bet, but like he would know more than Ridley does about what's going on with all the teams. So is that not insider trading? Like where's the line? I guess Ridley can directly affect the outcome of a game, but if he's not playing, like, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's wrong and they should suspend him. And I think a year suspension is fair if you're trying to prevent other players from doing this, but like, where is this going to go? How is this going to snowball is a really good question that I, I'm really not sure what the answer is. Cause I know these guys can bet on other sports, but like, for example, LeBron could bet on the Rams to win the Super Bowl, but he knows a lot of those guys. So he knows what's going on. I mean, yeah, he can't directly throw a game, but Ridley wasn't on the field. So he also can't directly throw a game. I don't know. I wonder like what, what's the deal with people that are just in the organization? They can't bet either. Coaches, front office, no one can bet. I don't even know if they can bet. On, they can't bet on any NFL game. I don't even know if front office people can bet on other sports. Um, like, like what? Like a ball boy? Yeah, he can't. Like, if you're oh. if you're a, a employee of the team, you cannot gamble. I don't know if that counts for like concession stand workers, but it it might. 
I mean, I, the one year suspension is so wild. Like, like, well, who was the last guy to get a one year suspension? Like Josh Gordon for smoking weed? Yeah, it had to be Josh Gordon. Like <laughs> a year suspension. That's my jaw hit the floor when I heard that. It was either Josh Gordon or Greg Hardy. I don't know which one came first, but yeah, I, I mean, listen, it's accomplishing what the NFL wants is no one's going to do this. Um, most guys, if you're out of the league for a year, you're out of league for life because you're borderline on the league anyway. And stars aren't going to take a year out of their career just to gamble on games. So like it accomplishes what the NFL wants to accomplish. I still think it's hilarious move by Ridley. And the fact that they were multi-legged parlays just makes it even better. But he wasn't even with the team at that point either. It's like, it, it, it sucks because he's like, oh man, I'm not on the team right now. Like I stepped away. Like he was, he stepped away from the team for like a little bit. That's where I'm like, damn, like, it's not like he was suiting up and he was on the field actively. Like Pete Rose was the manager. Of yeah, the team Pete Rose was throwing games. It's different. I, I also heard he never bet on his team, Pete Rose. There's allegations that he never bet on his team. You can't prove it because gambling wasn't legal back then. So he's all back alley bookies. I mean, it's really just his word versus other people's word. I would guarantee knowing the level of degenerate gambler he was that he was gambling on his team it's it's wild i mean like i guess when i talk it out and think about it like yeah i guess the suspension's all right but like ah, damn like i don't know if he wanted wants to play football again to be honest with you like i really don't his mental health reached an all-time low last year and he's opened up and talked about it since who knows if he'll have drive to play when he comes back. He might just rather do something else, and that's fine. You know, if, if a guy who's active started to do this, that's what this punishment is for. It's not necessarily specific to what Ridley did. It's a warning sign for other guys to be like, under no circumstances can you do this. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. My, my, like if, if you gamble, you can only bet on your team. Yeah, but then you get into the area of, like, you can throw a game. Like, if Matt Stafford bets on the Rams and goes out and throws five interceptions, he threw the game. But why would he bet on his team and then throw it? Like, you can bet on your team, and then you're just going to play that much harder because you have side money on it. Yeah, I still don't like it. Like, I, again, I, I like the way the NFL set up. If you're a player in the league, you cannot bet on the sport. That seems fair. You can bet on basketball if you want to, um, yeah. Yeah, but you no, can't I, bet on the sport. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I already think, like me being a cynical, um, a cynical fan, I I already think they fix some games anyways. Telling refs to call what, refs being sketchy as fuck. Um, but I know it, it's it's just wild. A year suspension again. My jaw hit the floor. It's wild, but yeah, gotta I mean, love, gotta it, love that he gotta love that he was doing parlays. Like that's just a notch up for me. Yeah. But uh, moving on to our next big subject, college basketball recap from the last weekend of the regular season. Want to lead off with Coach K being the least likable man ever. Uh, Duke lost me money, lost other people money. They lost at home to UNC in Coach K's final home game. And I don't think anyone was upset to see that. I think everyone was laughing in his face. After the game, he did this really weird press conference thing with like a speech. And then he had his whole family on the court with him and he shushed the crowd. Um, which I thought was hilarious send off for coach K. Cause like he is notorious for shushing the crowd and acting superior to them. Fuck Duke for blowing up my parlay. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, like 
they were leading. Weren't they, I mean, it was a close game most of the game, but like the fact that they lose, the tickets were like $5,000 a piece. They brought in like 200 pass players and they just fucking lose the last home game of his career. Yeah. Hilarious. That's it, just so funny. Perfect. Perfect. It, it's a perfect ending for Coach K. And who knows? Duke could still win a title. They got a lot of talent, but um, the ACC is a joke. And the fact, they still won. I mean, they went 16 and four in the conference, but North Carolina went 15 and five. Like they're probably going to make the tournament at this point. They're 23 and eight. Um, we'll see. I, you know, I don't really know what to make of the ACC or any of these teams and how they stack up against better conferences, including the big 10, which saw an absolutely bonkers weekend. Want to lead with, with Wisconsin loses to eight win Nebraska. Did you catch this game? Pretty sure I had it in, in some form or another. Yeah, I, I you had, had it in your, your last Sunday parlay. That, it, that was the team that was minus like 900 on the money line. Yeah, Nebraska has lose. eight wins and Wisconsin was at home. Bro, oh my God, I don't even want to think about that. That pisses me the fuck off. Oh, God. It was a eight tough weekend the, for the Big like Ten. Eight win Nebraska and Wisconsin just won the Big Ten and they're at home. It's just the biggest letdown spot ever. Yeah. And like Purdue only beat Indiana by two on Saturday. Um, Illinois beat Iowa on Sunday, which caused Wisconsin after they had the huge celebration for them winning the big 10, they actually tied. They were co big 10 champions with Illinois because they lost to Nebraska, which is hilarious. Michigan beat Ohio state. Like we were talking could happen. Um, Rutgers beat Penn state. No big deal. Michigan State beat Maryland, a game we both picked. Uh, that was cool to see, even though Maryland had a huge second half and roared back in that game. Uh, but saw some upsets in the Big Ten. Like I said, Michigan over Ohio State, Nebraska over Wisconsin. Should be a really interesting Big Ten tournament. Now, since they tied, Illinois is the one seed and Wisconsin is the two seed in that tournament. So we're going to make our picks in this segment for conference tournaments, but I don't know what to think of the Big Ten at all. It's well, like it's the one of the craziest regular season conferences because it's just all these Big Ten teams, but they always fall flat in the tournament. Yeah, they do. And it's, it's just every every single team is just like let down. Let, they lose to some inferior like mid major conference, and it's like Big Ten just falling apart in the tournament again. Yeah. Uh, another conference that's mayhem is the SEC, and I'd like to highlight the Eric's Kiss of Death, which I gave Wisconsin a vote of confidence last week. They lose to Nebraska. I give Michigan State a vote of confidence a couple podcasts ago. They lose to uh, Ohio State in big fashion. I gave Alabama a vote of confidence on the last podcast. They lose to LSU. Alabama is in free fall. And I don't know what to do with this information because like they're going to fall out of the rankings. If they lose in the first round of the SEC tournament, they're probably getting into the tournament no matter what. But now that's up in the air. Like if they were to lose their first round game, they're in trouble. Anyone could win the SEC right now. Like Kentucky's the three seed in the SEC tournament. Um, I have no idea what to do with this conference. There's an argument you could make that like 10 teams could any like six to eight of 10 teams could get in right now. It's absolutely wild. Um, that is the most impactful and most important conference tournament, in my opinion, for seeding, for teams getting in on the bubble, uh, maybe along with the Big 12 because they have so many bubble teams. But 
my kiss of death continues. Alabama loses the L- LSU on Saturday. Ah, dude, all those games that we were just on the wrong side of, it just pisses me off. Like, especially like Alabama at LSU. LSU plays incredible defense. It's, it's again in college basketball. Do not bet on road, road teams. No, don't. Do not. Do not. Literally, like, I'm, I'm looking at the games that, that I lost last weekend. Arkansas at Tennessee lost by four on the road. Alabama at LSU lost by three on the road. Houston at Memphis. That game was crazy. I never yeah. th- th- that was an upset. Um, it's just like three of the five teams I lose or five games I lose is because I'm betting on road teams. Like I, I really do wonder what, if you're taking a close teams that are closely ranked or good comps against each other, just take the home team. Cause yeah. I guess the kids get shook when, when the fans are going crazy, like, more in college basketball than any other sport, including professional, those fans, the kids in the crowd are in your face. Like just imagine like all the Cameron crazies just right on top of you screaming in your ear. It's, inc- it's, it's crazy. Yeah, man. And more SEC games. Like I know we were both on Kentucky over Florida. They won Shebe to Shebe. I don't know how to say his name. We've been over this on the podcast. He had 27 and 15 against Florida who has like, a very solid front court. They're rounding into form. I really like Kentucky. It looks like their players are all on the same page now after coming back from injury. And then Tennessee beat Arkansas in a game that I picked. It was kind of a toss-up. Tennessee was up 50-29 to at the half in this game. Arkansas outscored Tennessee 45-28 to in the second half. It wasn't enough. Tennessee ends up winning 78-74. to this game was all about runs, and it was wild. Yeah, it, it was fun game to watch. It's again all of these, all this talk that we have right now. It just ramps up my excitement and everyone else's excitement for the tournament. It, it's going to be much watched, much watched TV. Tennessee scored seventy-eight points. They had four guys in double figures. No one scored more than 15. They are a really well-balanced team. Um, I like both of these teams moving into the tournament, to be honest with you. I feel like you can like every team. <laughs> There's something about all these teams, like the fact that it, the whole field is just so wide open too. It's yeah. like, yeah. Anyone could win. Literally this anyone can good, win. This team has good defense. That team has great offense. It's like, how do you how do you discern between what a good team and what a bad team is? And I think that leads to we talked about coaching, but any team can lose to anybody. So yeah, I uh, mean, like, how do you handicap a team like Gonzaga who hasn't played anybody and is the number one ranked team? They only have three losses. And like, when they have I, I, played when they have played good teams, like when they played Duke, granted, early in the year, they lost to a good team. Yeah, or St. Mary's, who's the only other good team in their conference, they lost. Yep. Um, by the way, I said North Carolina might be ranked. Rankings came out today. They are ranked at 25. But, like, just looking at these rankings, Arizona's 28-3. and three. They don't play in a very good conference. Then you got Baylor at number three. I don't even know if they're the best team in the Big 12. Auburn at number four. I don't know if they're the best team in the SEC. Kentucky's five, Kansas six, Duke seven, Nova eight, Tennessee nine, Purdue is 
10. Like all of these teams moving down to like Providence 11, Wisconsin 12, Texas Tech at 14. They've lost two huge games in the last week. It's literally wide open across the top 25. It is. It's just, it's so stacked. It's Speaking of college basketball and it being stacked, I'm going to give you my conference tournament picks. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. We're going to start it off with the American East Conference. Going to take Vermont. Don't really have a lot of insight on that. I'm just going to take Vermont. <laughs> um, Best team in the conference? Yeah, they are. And it's, it's not particularly close. So I, I feel pretty confident the Catamounts are going to catapult themselves to the number one team in that conference and make the tournament uh, like what I did there. Uh, boo, boo. Thank you. Thank you. The American athletic conference got a little bit of a spicy pick here. I'm going to take Memphis. I think a lot of the money's on Houston, but I'm going to take Memphis. They just beat Houston twice in a month. I think they're just a better team. And if that's who they have to beat, then I think they can do it. And if the third best team in the conference is temple, like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do easy work there, and it's also you're you're taking someone that's not chalk. Yeah. So, you, speaking yeah, you of can... not chalk, Atlantic Ten. I'm gonna take the four seed St. Bonnie's, St. Bonaventure. Bonnie's okay. is short for that. Um, didn't really need to specify that. Did anyway. I'm only I... taking them because it just feels like St. Bonnie's is gonna win. This feels like a Bonnie's year, and like I didn't want to take Davidson. They're the one seed. I didn't want to take VCU. They're the three seed. So like. Bonnie's is the four. I like Bonnie's. Who's the was uh, is Seton Hall the, the second? No, Seton Hall's in the big uh, Big East. Oh, okay. So, I don't even remember who the second seed in that conference is. If I'm being honest, I know they had a lot of hype coming into the year. Like, well, not a lot, but a decent amount more than I've remembered for St. Bonaventure. So that'll be that'll be a fun team to root for. Yeah, they'll be playing that conference tournament in Atlantic City, which is always fun. And uh, I don't know. I like Bonnie's. This feels like a Bonnie's year. You know, I, I don't really have any stats to back that up, but moving on to the ACC, I'll take Duke. I think that's pretty easy, even though they just lost like the ACC sucks. And I think Duke's the best team. Um, Big 12, not, not taking the chalk here. I'll take Kansas, but it still kind of is the chalk, but I'll take him anyway. Um, I don't know. We've both talked about it. I think we both like Kansas. I don't really believe in Baylor still. So I think Kansas is a good pick. I like it. Uh, Big East. I'm on UConn. I was tempted to take Villanova, but I couldn't bring myself to do it without vomiting. So I'm going to take UConn because they're scrappy and I like their coach. And this feels like UConn time of the year, you know, where they start playing well. Yeah, I think so far that's where I, I would probably take Nova, but – I mean, I, I'm not going to hate on that. I think Nova's the other pick. I, I'm staying away from Providence because I don't think they match up well with either of those teams the way they play defense. Yeah. Uh, Big 10. I'm going to die on this hill. I'm taking Michigan State. They're the eighth seed for this tournament. <laughs> All right. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can respectfully disagree, but I'm, all, I'm on the Spartans. Uh, Ivy League, Princeton. This one's easy. I'm going to say that's my mortal lock if you just want free money. Yeah, you, you like that pick on Saturday, that Princeton pick? Yeah, I did. And I, I watched some of the replay of that game, and, like, Yale is the second-best team in this conference, and they're four games back of Princeton. So I'm going to take Princeton. 
Yeah, talking about betting on road teams, Princeton beat Penn at Penn by 23 points. <laughs> yeah, Penn basketball is just how many white guys can we fit on one roster? Um, and they're all foreign. Yeah, I don't know why they always are all foreign. And they're all like six foot nine centers who can shoot threes but can't play in the low post. It makes no sense. It's, it's just Gonzaga light. Yeah, literally. Um, Mountain West, I'll take Colorado State. They're now ranked. I think they're 17. They're really good. They only have four losses. That's a pretty tough conference, pretty competitive. They're the two seed in that tournament, but I'll take them anyway. I like it. Um, Pac-12, Arizona. Don't, don't think that's that difficult. Only team that can compete is UCLA, but I think Arizona still wins that pretty easily. SEC, I'm staying with Kentucky. I think now that these games are going to be slower paced, big men are going to matter, consistent three-point shooting is going to matter. I think Kentucky is just better at all of those things than the other teams in the SEC. But like the style of play that Arkansas plays could give them trouble, and, and Tennessee's already given them trouble. I think they're a really bad matchup for Auburn, so I, I don't have a lot of concern there. I think Auburn's also fraudulent, but take Kentucky. I like them. And in the West Coast Conference, close it out with Gonzaga. Easiest pick. They're not going to lose twice to St. Mary's, uh, especially at a neutral court. So, yeah, Gonzaga. Better team wins on a neutral court, Gonzaga. I really like all those picks. I would say only spot I defer is probably – like the Big Ten pick, you're obviously – you know, shooting for the moon there. And then Big East, I would lean Villanova. But all the other ones seem pretty accurate to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the Atlantic 10, that St. Bonnie's pick is probably a little shaky, but it'll be fun to root for. But all the other ones, yeah. Yeah, my goal here is just not take chalk. Like, you know, I could have taken Nova in the Big East. And I could have taken whoever the number – Davidson in the Atlantic 10. But I haven't watched an Atlantic 10 basketball game all season. I just like, you know, St. Bonnie's. Why not? Why not roll with it? Yeah. I I think the Bonnie's might have depth trouble. But okay. that's that's just from me hearing little birdies around town. You know? Dude, like I said, this is uh this isn't even a gut pick. This is like I feel this pick in my balls. Like that's <laughs> that's I'm I'm pulling it from way deep within. That, yeah, that's, that's how deep that goes. Damn. Okay. okay. There's a difference between pulling a pick out of your ass and pulling a pick out of your balls. And I'm pulling this pick out of my balls. Just want to state that. Um, and then Memphis, I guess, is kind of spicy, but they just beat Houston, like pretty bad. And right. uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Temple makes a run in the American. I really wanted to pick them, but I couldn't bring myself to. But yeah, all the other ones are just basically chalk. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's college basketball recap. We'll check in Thursday with some progress updates on conference tournaments. Most of them don't start until Wednesday, so we won't have a lot to hit on, but uh, we'll have our big NCAA tournament pod on Monday or sorry, it'll come out Tuesday. We'll record Monday after selection Sunday. Um, We're going to pick, you know, each game, each region, have our brackets ready to go pick the play-ins as well um build off of that maybe have some guests on to make some picks talk some games and uh it should be a really fun really good pod we're going to dedicate the whole pod to ncaa tournament preview beyond looking forward to it I'm, yeah I'm i am too <laughs> well i mean listen we're going to post the brackets we're going to have fun bracket challenge will be live by then we will share it on all social medias on the website across everything so Please join if you do listen to the pod and uh, win our first merch drop. 
people can play against Kaizad. I know James is going to get in on it. So some of the some of the familiar voices you guys you guys have heard on the pod will definitely be in there. So see how you stack up against them. Hell yeah! Uh, moving off of college basketball to the NBA. Just a few notes for NBA Roundup. Uh, ben Simmons, as predicted, is out Thursday versus the Sixers. Whether he shows up to the game is still to be decided. I would bet money to say he doesn't even make the trip and sit on the bench for that game because uh, he's a pussy. But, uh, yeah, he's not going to play. And leading into that, the Nets got shit-pumped by the Celtics. When I say shit-pumped, they lost by six. It was a pretty close game. But they got beat by the Celtics. Um Yesterday on Sunday, they are in free fall mode right now. The Nets have lost now four straight games. They're down to the nine seed tied with the Hawks, who are pretty hot at 11 games back. They are in danger of missing the playoffs. However, they're far enough ahead of the Wizards that I don't think that's going to happen. But they should be a little nervous because they're three and seven in their last 10. And the only other team in the playoff picture in the East that's like that right now is the Raptors. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm watching them play, and the Kyrie-Kevin Durant thing doesn't really look like it's working that well. Kyrie's not playing well. The defense is atrocious. I mean, we'll get into it a little more when I talk Celtics, but Jason Tatum dropped 54 on them in that game on Sunday. They lost 126 to 120. Durant scored 37. He wasn't the problem. That problem was Kyrie Irving. He was 8 of 18, 2 of 6 from 3, 19 points, had a minus 5 traditional traditional plus minus. If you look at some of the more advanced metrics, Kyrie had a .3 box plus minus. His defensive rating was 126. That is horrible. His offensive rating was only 108. That was the lowest of any starter in the lineup. He's struggling, man. He's really struggling. And uh, I don't know what the Nets are going to do to turn that around. Yeah, that's that's tough. Ah, come on, Kyrie. I burn some more sage? I, I don't know. <laughs> what he does was, Kyrie do? He was playing in Boston, and they were booing him, like, the whole game, rightfully so. And uh, he was pointing at guys to come guard him, and they were doing it, and they were shutting him down. It was, like, all-time sad moment. Um. I don't know what the Nets do at this point. Yeah, they could get Simmons back and that could help, but who knows what Simmons is even going to provide if he's even going to play this season because he's a coward. So I don't know, man. It, it, it could be a long year for the, the Nets. They could also make the playoffs as like the eight seed and upset the Heat. Like I, I have no idea. They still have Durant. That, that's kind of the key in all this, but we'll see. <sighs> who was guarding Tatum? Like, how do you let a guy drop 50? Uh, I will tell you who was guarding Tatum because I have to look at this roster to even see. I think it was a lot of like Bruce Brown because their starting lineup was Durant, Kyrie, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. So like they don't have a wing. I think Nick Claxton got some run guarding him. I think James Johnson got some run guarding him. Cam Thomas. I'm sure Durant was on him for a lot of the game. But like when you let a guy drop 54, Tatum's offensive rating was 161. That's disgusting. God, God. yeah. Um, that's where I always just say, put your best player on him. But 
the thing that worries me now, like if the Nets are not looking great, like are, are you shaky right now if you hold a Nets Eastern Conference future? Oh, you're done pretty much. I don't think they're winning the East. Do you think they're winning the East? I remember when James was on, he said on paper they had one of the best teams. Maybe that was before the Harden trade when James was on. Yeah. I, I mean, Ben Simmons hasn't played a game yet. They're 32 and 33. And if you look at it, they'd have to get above the six seed to avoid Heat, Sixers, Bucks, which are three teams that I don't think they have a prayer to beat. Unbiased, even though I am a Sixers fan. But, like, they're not beating the Heat. They're definitely not beating the Bucks. I don't think they're beating the Sixers either. And otherwise, they're going to play one of those three teams unless they can climb all the way up to the five seed. But they are six and a half games out of Boston right now, and they just lost to them. Boston's in the five. I mean, when I when the big three for the Nets happened, I was one of the people. I was like, "Oh, right off the right right off the rest of the season, Nets are winning the next three championships. Like, there's no way." And it's like, "Damn, Durant! Like, what best player in the world? Like, bring your guy, team's got to be better than this, man." I know, I know, man. And speaking of Boston, I'm getting really nervous, Finn. I'm sweating. Cause they're eight and two in their last 10. They look like they figured something out. They turned a corner. They were borderline unwatchable earlier in the season. And now their defense looks unstoppable. They're sitting at the five seed. They're only a game out of the bulls for the four seed. They're only a game and a half back total of the Sixers for the two seed, but they're three games out in the loss column, which is huge. They've played three more games than the Sixers at this point. Boston has the fourth hardest schedule remaining. They have 12 of their next or the 12 of their final 17 games are on the road where they are 16 and 16 this year. So they're not going to sustain this, but I don't want to see Boston in the playoffs at all. I have nightmares about seeing Boston in the playoffs. I mean, dude, all those road road games at the end of the season, that's, that's going to drain some of them, man. Yeah. But like, you got to think they came off the all-star break. What? Two weeks ago. They're getting back into basketball. They're feeling themselves. They're getting good. They're, they're, they're in a good vibe. But, I mean, now, granted, if they roll through some of those teams and, like, end the season just, like, hot as hell, make it to the second or third rank in the East, like, then I would be concerned. But, you know, basketball games in the season, it's all about runs. It's all about getting hot. So. I just don't trust Tatum. Like, I think he's a really good offensive talent, but he's very streaky and ball dominant. Uh like I say, he had 54 the other night was really good, but he had a 41.8 usage rate. Like I, I don't know if that's sustainable for their team, the way that they play and the way they need guys to get shots up. They could overtake Milwaukee or Chicago though. Like Milwaukee plays the hardest schedule in the NBA to close this out. Um, they have 13 of their final 19 on the road. They play a bunch of teams at the top of the league. They're tied with the Sixers as the two right now, but, because the Sixers own the tiebreaker, Milwaukee is the three seed. I think the Sixers have a better chance. I don't think anyone's catching the Heat who are in the one seed. Uh, Sixers lost to them the other night. They sat Harden on a brutal back-to-back, like we kind of predicted on this podcast. Like I told you that would happen. They, I don't know, like Milwaukee could fall. And then if you look at Chicago, and I thought this was really interesting, the Bulls are 0-13 versus the top three teams in each conference. Is that a cause for concern if you're forecasting Chicago's chances? Definitely doesn't make you feel good. 
But I, I mean, so think about what could, why would they be 0 13? I think it's a combination of things. I think they don't have any big men that can play defense. Like I like Vucevic, but he's a defensive liability. They've been missing Lonzo and Caruso for an extended period of time now. So their defensive backcourt is atrocious. Uh, Dosomu's okay on defense. DeRozan's downright bad on defense. They got some good role players around DeRozan. They're a really good story. That'll definitely be a tough stadium to get a win in on the road in the playoffs. It's very loud in Chicago. Um, But I, I don't know. I, they're the four seed right now. They're only a game up on Boston. They got to figure some stuff out. They don't have the toughest schedule to end the year, but they got to start winning some games before they start free falling. They've lost four in a row now. They're sitting at 39 and 25. So they, they got to figure it out fast. Didn't Caruso get hurt too? Yeah. So they're, they've been without Caruso and ball for a bit now. Yeah. Oof. And those that, are two that, elite that is, defenders that they don't have. Yeah. That's rough. You would know more than I do. Are, are they, out for the season or do they come back at any point? No, nah, they're coming back. It, it, the question is whether it's days or weeks at this point, but they need them back ASAP. And when they get back, of course, there's going to be an adjustment period because they've been so long without them. But I don't think they're as good as Philly, Milwaukee, or Miami. I don't know if they're even as good as Boston right now, but we're going to see that 0-13 against top three teams in each conference terrifies me if I'm forecasting them for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, speaking of teams I'm not forecasting uh, for the playoffs, the battle for the tank is on. The Pistons, Magic, Rockets, and Thunder all are competing for the, the top lottery selection in this draft. The Magic right now are tied with the Rockets. Uh, they are a half game behind them because they're 16 and 49. The Rockets are 16 and 48. All of these teams are trying to lose games, but I'd argue not all of these teams are trying to lose games as hard as the Thunder. The Thunder are trotting out dudes that I've never even heard of. And it's almost astonishing. Like this one dude, and I even forget his name. He played at Kentucky and I've never heard of him before. He had to be like a bench player at Kentucky. Uh, And the Thunder have talent like Josh Giddy and Shai Gilders Alexander are really good players. They're going to try their hardest to get this pick. They're in free fall mode right now. Um, I still think the magic will get it just because they don't have any talent on their team. But, you know, Everyone shit on the Sixers a few years ago for intentionally tanking, but you can't look at Orlando, Detroit, Houston, or Oklahoma City and tell me they're doing any different right now. Yeah. Um, God, dude, the, the Pistons, mad. It's so crazy to see how, like, the Rockets fall from grace from just, like, two years ago. I watched the Rockets play on Game Pass the other night. Jalen Green looks like he's a bust. I mean, that dude can't find the basket and he keeps shooting. I couldn't tell you another player on their roster. Like Christian Wood shushed the home crowd. It was a very weird move. He's on the Rockets. If you didn't know who he is, that's fine. Um, Christian Wood is arguably their second best player. So I have no idea what's going on there. I mean, at least if you're the magic, you can say like, we have Jalen Suggs who's struggling, but looks like he's an NBA player. 
Franz Wagner is is good. He he's very good. And he's a rookie. That was a good pick. Detroit's got Cade Cunningham, who looks like he'll be a good player, and Sadiq Bay, and so, some other young talent where Detroit can hang in games. They look all right. Oklahoma City's got something to hang their hat on. They, they have two really good young players and a ton of draft picks coming up that they can either use or flip for other assets. Houston's got nothing. I don't know, looking at Houston, what they're even going to do building this roster. and They don't even have De- uh, Daryl Morey anymore. Like, I, it, they're in a tough, tough spot. They could be at the cellar of the league for a bit now. That's so rough. Um, Thunder, I mean, yeah, didn't like, they like auctioned off everything. Yeah, they have, they have literally a million draft picks for the next six years. And everyone's like, well, what are you going to use all them? No, they're not. They're eventually going to flip a bunch of those picks for an asset. The question is, when is the time to do that? And it's probably after this draft or the next draft. Once they've amassed enough young talent, you start flipping picks and bringing guys in. They have potential to be a good team. I think Detroit has potential to be a good team. They have a lot of role players and one star. They probably need to draft another star. Maybe they do that this year. Maybe they bring a guy in. I don't really know. Like Jeremy Grant's there. I like Jeremy Grant as a role player. Sadiq Bay is a good role player. They, they have some guys, and, and Cade looks like he could be a star in the league. He understands tempo and pace and you know ball control, which is arguably the hardest thing to learn in the NBA. So once the other skills get developed, he's going to be a very good player. The magic you could say are building in the right direction too. Um, I really don't know with that one, but they got some guys that can play. I like Wagner. I kind of like Suggs. They got some dudes, but like, what do you do if you're the Rockets? Well, if I'm looking at this, well, I'm more in the thunder too, with all those picks. Like if you're going to trade those picks for an asset, like a proven player, like, is that a free agent destination? Like the last time the Thunders were really incredible, I'm going back to like 2010 or like when they played in the finals, like they drafted all those players. Yeah, it's uh, not. I, it's it's not a free agent destination. Who the fuck we, wants to live in Oklahoma City? Neither are the Pistons. The Rockets maybe in Houston. I mean, you got this, that famous strip club. No tax, like, no income tax. Yeah, huge. The Thunder, not a free agent destination. The Magic, I mean, now you're in Florida, you're in Orlando, no tax. Like but the you're in Orlando. Thunder, dude, you you got to move those teams, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Oklahoma City does have a loyal fan base. And like, here's the thing. If Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard become available and those teams want to rebuild, the Thunder can give them the most picks. And maybe, I mean, they have Lou Dort as well. And I like Lou Dort. So they, they have a couple young assets that could be moved. Right. They, they have some hope for the future. I would argue they have more hope than the Kings who are five and a half games up on them right now. And if I'm Sacramento, like you're locked into the De'Aaron Fox contract. You just traded your best young asset Halliburton for Sabonis, which who the fuck knows why they did that. Um, they're clearly not making the playoffs. So I, I don't know, man. It, at least the Thunder the Pistons and the magic have some semblance of hope. I don't know what to do with the Rockets and they, they need help because they just had the number two overall pick and they blew it. Yeah. The last NBA topic I want to hit. I know I promised no more Lakers talk, but it's impossible because LeBron dropped 56 on the Warriors on Saturday night. He threw back the clock. He hit a step back three. And I just want to point out 
the weirdest collection of people I've ever seen. The camera pans past LeBron and it's Matt Stafford and his wife sitting courtside. And next to them is John Mulaney. And I just, I have to know what that conversation's like. Like is Stafford like, Hey John, do you want to come to the game? Or like, does John Mulaney just show up and he's like courtside next to them? Like, Hey, how you doing? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I really want to know because that looked really fun, but LeBron hits a dagger step back from the middle of nowhere as um, Jeff Van Gundy or Stan Van Gundy. No, it's Jeff Van Gundy. I get them mixed up all the time. Jeff Van Gundy's saying, I don't really believe in heat checks as LeBron takes a heat check and nails it uh, to ice the game. The Warriors are in free fall mode right now. I don't know what's going on. That's a story to keep an eye on. But uh, Andrew Wiggins looks bad, like really bad, like six of 15 for 14 points bad. Clay Thompson looks bad, like three of 13 for seven points bad. They're probably going to figure it out come playoff time. But like LeBron went 19 of 31, six of 11 from three. That's 54.5%. 12 of 13 from the line. He had 10 rebounds, 56 points. Even Russell Westbrook had 20 on nine of 17 shooting. But, you know, 20 points is 20 points, I guess. Um, that's not even terrible. I'm just finding ways to shit on Russ because that's 52%. But uh, yeah, just vintage LeBron. The Lakers are still really bad, but uh, that's a huge win. That's a huge game. Just when people start talking shit on LeBron and the Lakers, he drops 56 for you. So hold 16.4 that. box plus minus. Disgusting. Well, we'll transition from NBA talk to Finney's betting corner recap. Um, we had a huge week. Finney went full Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia, and picked how many games was it? 21. 21 games. Including three UFC. So it was really like 18 basketball games, but three UFC plays. Absolutely wild volume. I'll go first because it'll take quicker. I went four and two. Um, I lost Arkansas over Tennessee. I lost Duke over North Carolina, which I thought was the lock of the weekend. My mortal lock of the weekend was UConn over DePaul. That hit. I got UCLA over USC. I got the Timberwolves over the Blazers. And I got Michigan State over Maryland. Um, it was an okay weekend. I want to highlight one thing I did not say. I live bet the Suns down five points with two minutes left against the Knicks on Friday night. As I watched the game with my roommate who just nodded in agreement, like, yeah, that's actually like a good pick. And the Suns came back and won that game without Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I think it was Tyler Johnson hit a bank shot three at the buzzer to win the game. And uh, my soul left my body. It was a, a pretty amazing experience. I didn't win anything else this weekend, but, you know, I'll hang my hat on that. Good for you, man. I mean, if, if hitting a monster live bet on a plus 450. Yeah. Having, having, the nuts, having the nuts to throw that down. Oof. Listen. God damn. Um, sometimes you just feel it. And I I've watched the Knicks now going into that. I'd watched the last two games cause they both were against the Sixers. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Like in the last five minutes, the Knicks might be the worst team in the NBA. They cannot generate a shot for themselves. If you double team Barrett, it's over for him. So, uh, I felt pretty good about that. I forgot that Booker was out when I made the bet, but it didn't matter because Tyler Johnson went nuclear and just made a bunch of threes. Yeah, no, it's, that's wild. That's good for you, man. And you did four and two in, in all your other plays? Yep, four and two on the betting corner bets. Um, 
pretty good, you know, not the best mm-hmm. ever, but, but pretty good. The Duke I, UNC, like minus 11 and they can, they lose by 13. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. They shit the bed. They, they really shit the bed. Um, one more fat L for coach K on the way out, but, uh, goddamn UNC spoiled that party. Cause I, if I went five and one, you know, I'd, I'd be sitting at what nine and two on the year right now. I'm sitting at, at eight and three on the year. So not bad, but, uh, not great. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay though. Um, on my side, uh, we took five parlays, guys. We only won one of them. The UFC parlay. We'll touch on all the UFC action, but a clean sweep in the three picks I gave you guys. And I went – I actually had a four a four person. I added uh, Kevin Holland, I think his name is. I added him in there too. I mean, all the favorites won in the UFC, so it's really not impressive to go um, undefeated. But Parlay is a parlay, dog. Don't yeah, undersell yourself. I mean, but every favorite one, honestly, none of the, like, we'll get into the fights here, here soon, but really none of them were close. Like if you actually like watch the fights, it, it, I mean, there was a little competition in the main event, but all the other ones, it was just domination. Um, across the board though, went 15 and six overall, 71% on all the games, just picking winners, uh, big losers for me, Duke UNC L right there with Eric Arkansas and Tennessee L with Eric uh, Alabama at LSU lost that one Houston at Memphis. That was a big upset. Um, then we have another pick. I don't even know why I picked against Charleston because, you know, living down in the Carolinas, you just got to ride with those teams, but that L. So, I mean, we had two parlays where one game lost the other two, two games lost in there. Um, God, if, if Duke could have pulled it out for you guys, I mean, yeah, I want to. Yeah, I do want to point out your your first Saturday parlay was a six leg, and the only loss was Duke, and that I'm, hurt I'm minus me. eleven favorite. Yeah, that hurt me. I don't know what else to do though, dude. That's that's tough. That's... Also, your Sunday parlay um, was a four legger, and only Hofstra lost to Charleston, which is just another one where I'm like, damn man, because that's that's a gamble. Like, you want to talk about gambling? That's a gamble. But yeah, and, th- and then you got Wisconsin versus Nebraska. That's yeah. an, against an eight-win team. Houston ranked team against Memphis. Granted, it was on the road. That's one of my rules. I, will, I shouldn't break those rules. But, like, if you're the best team, like, you're supposed to come out and play like it. So, you know, Finney, I do have some good news. We don't have to worry about home team, road team, and college basketball anymore. Everything for the rest of the year besides the NIT – which I definitely want to gamble on. We'll be played at a neutral site. So, Man, we'll, we'll, if, I, if I go seventy-one percent for the rest of March, whew, whew, pack your bags, baby. I mean, listen, yeah, only one parlay hit. You could look at it that way. But you went fifteen and six. You said you were going to bring volume, and you brought volume. Fifteen and six is nothing to scoff at. I mean, it, they say if you go what, like fifty-four percent as a professional gambler, granted that is picking spreads at minus 110. But if you go 54%, you're profitable. I'm going 71%. Granted, I am picking money lines, but like shit, man, if Duke wins, if some of these other, but that's, it's gambling, you know, like that's what it is. You're not going to like 
one game out of a 16 parlay or one game out of an 18 parlay. Like it's happened to me so many times I'm numb to it. So that means I should probably stop gambling, but. Nah, um, it means you're right on track, dog. <laughs> Each loss, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, like me this weekend, shitting and throwing up my brains. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Facts, facts. But yeah, that's betting corner. We'll have more on, uh, we'll have more on Thursday. And get ready for next week because we're not going to have any betting corner content on Monday, but the the Friday pod will be completely dedicated to weekend picks for the NCAA tournament. It will be a little tough because we won't have the entire weekend slate of games until Friday night when the second set of first round games ends for the tournament, but we can still pick the second half of the first round games into the Saturday games, which will be decided by that point which will be the second round of the tournament. So we'll have a lot of games to pick, plus the NIT and all the fun stuff that comes along with that. So Good. I'm looking forward to it. Baby. Uh, yep. We'll move into the UFC 272 recap. I do want to say one thing before we do this. They did announce the date for the Oliveira Gaethje lightweight title belt fight. That's going to be May 7th. But uh, let's talk 272. UFC 272, Colby Covington beat Jorge Masvidal. Whatever. I really hate Colby Covington after this week. Um, they asked Dana White in the post-game press conference. They were like, you know, Jorge Masvidal was saying that, you know, it's not right to talk about people's families and their kids. And Dana cuts him off and goes, you're right. It's not right. It's called man code. You either have it or you don't. And then they asked him, what's your opinion of Colby Covington? And Dana White goes, well, he's an asshole. Would anyone here disagree with the fact that he's an asshole? (laughs) So I I don't, Colby argues that this persona thing he's doing is helping him. Maybe. I, I think in the long run, it's hurting him more than it's helping him. But the problem is in welterweight right now, there's two guys that are worth the price of admission to see. And they're, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington and small man Colby Covington cannot beat Kamaru Usman. No one wants to see them fight again because he's clearly not going to win. And Colby Covington is better than everyone else because he's clearly the second best guy. And then there's a huge gap. So uh, Colby's just going to keep fighting other people. They're talking about him moving down to 155 to fight Dustin Poirier. I think that would be a really entertaining fight. I think Colby could definitely win that fight um, because he's very, very talented. I don't want my Colby hate to say that he's not a good fighter he's a great fighter that's what makes it so frustrating but uh your thoughts on the main card well i think the feelings that people get and and i I was watching a chael sonnen uh video today and he was like the reason he's an asshole the reason he does it like he's adding to the showman side of it like he wants you to hate him maybe he doesn't want you to but that's just like a side effect where if you hate him you're gonna buy it and it it makes it entertaining even if you hate him, because then you're just rooting against him. You're tuning in to see him lose. So um, the Colby side of it, though, that main card fight, I mean, he absolutely dominated. It yeah. was – it just shows how wrestling – this is something Chael, Chael Sonnen talks about all the time, too. Like, wrestling is the one constant from when the UFC started to where it is today. If you can hold someone down against them, there will. If you're an all-class wrestler, which Colby wrestled D1 – he was brought into American Top Team, Masvidal's gym, Colby's old gym, to be the wrestling guy. Um, I mean, he just dominated. He definitely did get tagged in the fourth round there. 
And if Masvidal had any more energy, he Colby would have got, gotten knocked out. But because of the rounds where he he just continued to just hold him down, all the pressure from the wrestling, from the grappling, like it just tires you out so much. I mean, it's it's what Khabib did, and Khabib yeah. went twenty nine and zero. So I don't want to compare Colby Covington to Khabib because no, he's one it, of the greatest fighters of all time, and Colby Covington fighting style though, like, Khabib just Khabib just grappled the whole yeah. time. You yeah. know, it, it's the same style. Certainly not comparing them, but it's. Um, stylistically, there definitely is a comparison there to be made. I mean, it was really, I mean, like my heart was beating because I had that parlay and that was the last leg for it, but it, it really wasn't a question. Colby was striking him too. He was punching. I mean, he's, he is legit. Love him or hate him. He's, he's, he's legit. Yeah. He's legit as a second class fighter in his weight division. Cause he'll never beat Usman. And that's just a fact. And no, I don't want to yeah. see them fight a third time because exactly. we know yep. the result of that fight. Yeah. No, Usman no, no. Literally no, broke no, no. his hand in that fight and still won. And in the first fight, Usman broke his broke Colby's jaw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Usman is a robot. I, and I'm not even shitting on Colby when I say he can't beat Usman. I mean, no one can beat Usman. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's approaching GOAT status. I think he has seven title defenses that's tied for the most all time. I don't think anyone's going to beat him. I don't even know if he'll fight again anytime soon because like Dana even said it in the press conference, like, who do you want to throw at this guy? Like he was asked if Colby would fight him again. And he's like, I usually don't do trilogies with guys that can't beat someone, but who else should I fight against Usman? Like I, I don't really have a lot of options right now. Yeah, no, it, it's um, just trying to think right now. Yeah, the trilogy probably wouldn't happen, but it shows you how good Usman is with like showing seeing the display what Kobe Colby puts on every time he goes out to fight, and then realizing how good that guy is still can't beat the champion in his weight class. See, what I want to see is I want to see Colby fight Shamaya. If if Hazmat, um, yeah, if Hazmat Shamaya beats Gilbert Burns, which I think he will. That's the fight I want to see because I think Hazmat will beat Colby. I just do. I, I think he's a better fighter. I mean, this dude is electric. So right. that's the fight because then if Hazmat beats Colby, then he can fight Usman and you got a legitimate contender for Usman. That's, there's a lot of hype around Shemaev. He, he might be it. He might not. But the dude hasn't lasted more than a round so far. I mean, he's going in there and eviscerating people. Yeah, be a good fight. Be a great fight. Um, moving on, uh, as we just keep notching down the card, uh, Dos Anjos versus um, Masiano, I think. Is yeah, his it was Ma- Moisiano, Masiano. Yeah, um, that fight was just so fucking brutal, dude. It, it, it towards the, the later rounds, I kind of had to stop watching because it was just like he was just abusing the guy. It, it, it should have been stopped, I thought, in the second round when Mark Goddard was about to get in. Mark Goddard gave him, like, he brought the doctor in twice. Going into the fifth round, he said, you need to turn it around in this next 30 seconds or I'm stopping the fight. And then he didn't. Yeah, Because Masiano came out there and was striking, you know? 
Yeah, but the dude couldn't even walk. Like, they took him right to the hospital. He could not walk out of the octagon. That was really hard to watch. Like you were saying, I had a visceral reaction. Again, I watched it on replay because I was too sick Saturday. That almost brought my illness back. Like, he got pummeled. And give Marciano credit. He did come out and fight in that fifth round, but that fight should have been stopped in the third or the fourth round. It was bad. It was hard to watch. Like... Dos Anjos towards the end there too did kind of, he was pulling up a little bit like at least that's what I thought like he, he could have easily gone in there and just like gave him 10 punches to the head gave him long lasting brain damage which he already has and like could have just maybe killed him in the ring but he kind of stopped but what are your thoughts on is the corner responsible for throwing in the towel there you can't put it on the corner because especially in UFC they're just not going to do it like they're right. just not. I mean, we saw that happen high profile in the uh, it was a boxing event, but in the Fury Wilder fight. And that should have happened. I mean, Fury was outclassing him and Wilder had no chance. And boxing's a little different because it's 12 rounds. But man, I, I mean, the ref's gotta stop that fight. Even Dana said it in the post-game press conference. Like, yeah, the ref should have stopped that fight. And uh that's tough. It was tough to watch. Dos Anjos, like clearly won. That should not have gone the decision, but that is that is tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's bad. It kind of takes me back to the fight. I think it was Sugar Sean against. Oh the guy. my god! Yeah, with the guy with the uh, like purple hair. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. That was he probably was, worse than, than than this fight, but yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, you could make an argument like the first uh, Figueroa fight with uh, why am I pulling a blank on his name? He was just Brandon Moreno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that first fight, I mean, he was getting his face caved in by Figueroa, and you know it was still a pretty close fight. But that Sugar Sean, I forget that guy's name. He took that fight on short notice. That was tough. I mean, even Sean O'Malley was like, are we really, are we really still doing this? It, Sean was trying to knock him out too, just to end it. And he yeah, couldn't, the he guy, couldn't. Just, the guy just wouldn't give up. Same thing with Marciano too. He just wouldn't give up to so, I me. Mean, I guess you give him props for that, but like, God, I just, it's just like, man, at some point, I don't know. I'm a lesser man than that guy. So I probably would have just been like, yo, I'm out, but that yeah. guy's a warrior. He's a warrior. Yeah, he is. He's a warrior. Um, Deserves respect, but dear God, please don't. Just call the fight before that. Um, um, moving on to the Bryce Mitchell fight. Did, the hype is real, man. Did I, yeah. I was telling you about him. I was telling you about him last week. Edson Barbosa is no joke. He's a really talented fighter. And uh, Mitchell dominated that fight. I think he won by unanimous decision. Yep. He did. He did. And, and that's similar to the Colby thing. The wrestling, the grappling, holding him down. Now, Bryce Mitchell did strike him and made him fall down. The, the one time, but it, Bryce Mitchell's legit, man. I, I love it. Thug nasty. That's, that's an up and coming guy to keep your eye on. Yeah. I mean, right now, Volkanovsky's the number one featherweight, clearly Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. But outside of those guys, I think Bryce Mitchell can move up this list. He sits at nine today. So he moved up two, two spots since that fight. I think he's going to probably fight Yair Rodriguez next. That's what I would guess, who just lost to Max Holloway in his last fight. But uh, we'll see. They might bump. Mitchell's got personality. He's got swagger. He's 6-0 and in the UFC now. They might bump him up. Um, 
to fight, honestly, even Brian Ortega, who's ranked third right now. I really don't know. But uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, then there was the Kevin Holland fight. That one was done in two rounds. Um, pretty good stuff there. And then moving down to the first fight on the main card, Greg Hardy. He, he's out. He's got to be out of the UFC. I mean. Yeah, even Dana said it more or less in the press conference. They were asking him, like, Greg Hardy's lost three straight fights. Do you think he's back? And he was like, we're going to talk as a team and assess that Monday. I don't have an answer for you. But overall piece of shit good to see him lose and he looked really bad losing. So I, I don't think there's any shot we see him anytime soon in the UFC unless he makes a run on like fight nights, but I doubt that. Yeah. It's, it shows you how different it is, man, being a fighter versus any other type of professional athlete. You got, you got to be different to be a fighter. Yeah. Um, one more note on the Dos Anjos fight that I thought was really interesting. Dana was asked in the post fight press conference why it wasn't islam akachev who just fought last week and he said islam said no to the fight which is completely understandable because islam fought last week um (laughs) but i thought that was interesting had that been islam i thought that would have been a really good fight i i don't think you can take a dos anjos fight on a on a week's notice but still like hype to see islam in this division i think he's kind of moved ahead of fighting dos anjos at this point but, you know, I don't think Poirier is going to take a fight with him like we talked about. So, you know, who knows? Gaethje's the third-ranked fighter. Poirier's the second. Gaethje's fighting Oliveira. And then Islam's right behind him. He's probably still going to fight Benil Dariush, but uh, we'll see. We shall see. Yep. Uh, last note I had, I want to talk about my fight of the night that I did watch while I was sick. Um, it was Maria Rodriguez and Jan. I'm not going to try and say her last name. Cause I can't. You, you want me to try it? Yeah. You want to try it? Zhao Onan. Jan Zhao Onan. That was pretty sick. I don't know how you did that right there. Well, guys, I'm, guys, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the X sounds like a Z and then yeah. the rest of it should be the same. Finney's all over Mandarin and we're not talking oranges, but, uh, <laughs> It was an insane fight, dude. Their hands were lightning quick. They were throwing sick punches. I thought Jan won the fight. She lost by decision. It was razor thin. But, like, Mari Marina Rodriguez looked awesome. Jan looked awesome. I'll pay for a rematch of that. Put it on the main card. I mean, that was a sick fight. Dude, I didn't even see it. That was on the undercard? Yeah, it was on the ESPN fights on the undercard. Yes, you gave me some homework, Eric. I got to watch this. It was a really, really, really good fight. Like, constant action, constant punches. They didn't really go to the ground. It was pretty much a stand-up, knock-em-out fight. It was really, really entertaining. Cool. Hmm. The women's fights, man. They're slowly becoming my favorite because it's at a point where men's fighting was, like, five years ago, where there was a talent. There's a talent boom, and there's so much depth of talent that any of these women fight each other it's gonna be a good fight i I think brendan schaub said it one time but we gotta get some heavyweight women's fights man just some big girls duking it out i'd love it i mean i don't know how much bigger you can get than amanda nunez but we shall see i'm excited to see her fight again um yeah i mean the women's divisions right now are looking stacked 
I'm really excited to see some of these fights coming up. I mean, is Shevchenko going to fight Nunez again? She got robbed the last time they fought. She won that fight and got it taken away from her. So I'm a Valentina stan. She's like one of my favorite fighters in the entire UFC. Uh, we shall see. I'm, I'm keeping an ear to the ground on all of that. Yeah, it, I'm talking about like some some North Carolina Waffle House girl fights. That, those types of heavyweights, man. That, that's what I want to see. In that. Put them in the ring. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Give them six weeks to train. Give them some cornermen. Give them some cutmen. I love it. <laughs> yeah, dog. Um, it, was a, it was a wild UFC lead up and fight card. Uh, the last thing I'll leave you with is we talked about Colby kind of being the villain, playing the troll. And you mentioned Chael Sonnen, who I think did it the best. And even like Chael Sonnen, Ben Askren, um, they didn't attack people's families. They might have attacked cultures, but they didn't attack people personally for their family. And Colby has now thrown his hat into the ring into the douchebag Conor McGregor mold, where you're so tone deaf you don't understand the way you're saying like affects people in their lives. Like Masvidal was talking about his daughter seeing it and how she's talking to him about, you know, the lies that Colby's spreading out there. I, I really don't want to see this continue in this sport. I understand being a heel. You can be a heel without attacking someone and attacking their family who are not signed up to fight. Like Masvidal's family is not signed up to fight. I think that's out right. of bounds. I want to hear your take on that. Cause I know you like Colby and you like the heel stuff. No, it does. Yeah, attacking the family, that's something where even I, like, as a, like, I, I was rooting for Colby. It's like, they can't step in the ring. No, they can't. So now you're just being, like Dana said, you're just being an asshole. It, I think, and I, I've been watching a lot of the interviews that other people had about Colby. And a lot of people say that he, he was like a shy guy when they met him. People think it's tough for him to embrace this personality. Like it's not his nature. Not defending him. The UFC said they were going to cut him. And he, he was like seven and one in the UFC. Like he did everything he was supposed to do, went out there and won. So then I remember Dan Lambert, who was the head, who's the head of ATT, told him that they were going to cut him. And then they had to build this persona around him. I don't think like you can be that persona without going at someone's daughter with yes. like Dustin, po Dustin Poirier. I like Dustin Poirier. He calls his wife a Jezebel and calls his kid a prop. Recently he was calling the kid Connor's kid because Dustin's a cuck and wants to watch Connor fuck his wife. Like that stuff doesn't make sense to me. No. Just call him a bum. Call You call him Louisiana swamp trash. Call him an idiot. Make fun of Masvidal because he didn't graduate elementary school. Like whatever. Yeah. But, and you can do the whole King of Miami troll, which if you're wondering – no, Colby Covington doesn't practice or train or live in Miami or really anywhere near Miami. He lives an hour and a half outside of it. So, like, you can troll that way, and that's pretty effective. You can wear the douchebag Oakley shades. You can wear, you know, the, the skin-tight suits and no shirt underneath. You can be a douche and, and be a heel. That's okay. One of my favorite WWE fighters of all time is Randy Orton because he was such a troll. You can be a troll without dragging people's families into stuff. And that, that's where Connor went wrong because Connor was somewhat charming in his trolling early on for a while. And then that Nate Diaz fight, it all turned for him. And he never looked back. And the reason everyone roots against Connor and not for him now is because of 
what he said to Poirier and the way he acts and the what stuff he says. Colby's already embraced it and gone down that road. But the next time he fights, I really hope he considers this because he doesn't need to say shit like that. He can still be a troll and be annoying and be a heel and get people to hate him without doing that kind of stuff. Like Chael Sonnen's the example. Chael Sonnen trolled Brazil before Colby was even born. All right. Like Chael Sonnen is the blueprint for being a troll. Ben Askren's another guy. Like Masvidal even said it. Like I hate Ben Askren, but I don't hate him as much as I hated Colby because Colby made this personal. Yeah. No, it's, it's right on. Um, and like, even as a guy, like I want to root for the best fighters. I like rooting for all of them, even though I'm a casual fan. Like it really does hurt him because like for one fight, yeah, it's, it's okay. You might ruffle some feathers if you come back nice the next time, but it seems like he's not going to stop. No, so. and eventually people are going to, like you're seeing with Connor now, people are going to call for him to just not be on any fight cards again. And yeah, you're going to get some loyal, dedicated fans, but you're going to get booed everywhere you go, which is happening to Colby now. Yep. Yep. So like, can you fix this? Yeah, you just, just stop doing the one thing. Stop attacking people's families and keep trolling in the other ways. And then you'll become charming. Like it, it it's literally how it goes, man. What if he came out and he was just like, Hey, I, I apologize. Like, I don't want to do, like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. You don't even need to do that. You can just stop doing the fat. Like he can still have the same persona and just not say like 10% of the stuff and he'd be fine. Right. Like he can be the douchebag. He can be wear all the chains and do all the shit and talk all the shit and be the King of Miami and all this other shit and make fun of Masvidal's education. But he doesn't have to, like, even Masvidal is a heel. Like, he's not a super likable guy in the way that he approaches fights. I think he's hilarious, but, like, the Diaz's are the same way. You can be a heel in a different way. You don't have to be a complete scumbag. And I think he needs to learn that, man. And I'm surprised he didn't learn it after Usman, because he talked all that shit and then got rocked twice. I I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to learn it at this point, but I hope that fighters coming up don't try and copy the colby blueprint and the connor blueprint because i think it's a it's a dangerous road to take yeah and i think honestly even as a guy that root like rode for him this time around next time even right now like we're two days out of the fight like i don't know if i'm gonna do it again like it, no, it was it's just, a lot it, it, yeah it, it is a lot because now i feel responsible like i'm vouching for the guy it's like fuck now now i'm the asshole yeah And, like, the whole shit during the press conference that really annoyed me was, like, Masvidal laid out earlier in the week, like, Colby doesn't know shit about politics. And then Colby kept asking him, like, how does a bill become a law? That's like asking someone how to make a fucking grilled cheese, Colby. Like, you want to get into an ethical conversation of politics on the podium for, of course he's not going to answer that. Like, yeah, it's a fine PR move, but, like, no one is taking you seriously, and... I get it. You can be a heel. Even that stuff's fine. That annoys me, but not in a way where I'm like repulsed by it. The shit that he said about Masvidal's family is repulsive. And I I think Dana could step in and find people when they do that. He's not going to set that precedent, but you know, it's tough because eventually he's going to fight a guy like you saw it with Habib and Connor, where Connor said shit and culturally stepped over a line with Habib and Habib could have killed him. He started choking him out after he tapped and then went into the crowd and fought his friends. You run into a badass like that, you're like, if he does that shit to Chemaev, Hazmat Chemaev, he might be walking out of the octagon in a stretcher. Hazmat might not stop beating him. Yeah, it's just, 
like stay away from that stuff. It's just like I said, it it, it ruffled my feathers and it got me maybe a little fired up for it. But okay, so how do you respectfully talk shit in a fight buildup? Don't bring up people's families. Don't bring up people's cultures, in my opinion, if you're ignorant to them. Like when Connor fought Habib and he was talking about his culture, he was ignorant to Habib's culture and didn't understand that him talking poorly about his dad is like him disrespecting everything Habib stands for. And exactly what Colby did in this fight, talking about Masvidal's family, talking about his daughter, talking about him as a father, leave all that shit out and do your normal trolling. I'm the king of Miami. You can't read. I don't know how you got here without, you know, a middle school education. All of that is effective trolling. You don't have to go further than that. Do that shit. Be that guy. Don't, don't be the other guy, man. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I kind of feel like boxing, it just got too soft. Like maybe the, I, I never watched like, I don't, I, the golden age of boxing, I never really watched it, but like, is it because they don't promote well? They don't talk the shit. They don't I mean, Tyson Fury talks enough? all the shit, dog. Tyson Fury, and he is witty as hell. He yeah. talks all the shit, and, but he and, doesn't and do that. One, and he's the one draw. Like other people in boxing don't don't get people fired up to watch. Even some of the other UFC guys, like yeah, I, I, boxing issue foreign, is no yeah, one they, fights anybody because no one wants to lose. Like the whole lightweight and middleweight division haven't fought each other because they all want to be perfect and follow the Floyd Mayweather blueprint. But like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, you have it. Like Tyson Fury's a shit talker and he's a troll. He's a big time troll, like licking the blood off of Wilder's ear, all that shit. That's fine. That's showmanship. I enjoy it, especially if you're as good as Fury is and can back it up. Like Covington's good enough to back up that type of shit talk. Have fun with it. Do that. Don't attack people's families. Right. All right. I hear you. I hear you. It makes sense to me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Well, that is our show. We'll be back to y'all on Friday. Uh, we'll be coming in live with Finney's betting corner, all the news and notes from the week. Uh, expecting a little bit of a slow week, but we'll have some conference tournament talk and picks in the quarterfinals of a lot of the conference tournaments heading into the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, We'll hit on some Selection Sunday stuff, what we like, how we like to watch it, all of that. And then don't forget, next Tuesday, a week from today, we will have our March Madness Breakdown and Bracket Challenge will be live. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you join. This has been the Victory Formation Podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting as always, guys. Bring it on, baby. I'm ready. Have Have a great week. Have a great week. Stay safe. I keep that thing on me, god damn it Bobby, they see me selling propane and now they trying to copy, pretend to be broke but I got hella cash, if you use charcoal I'ma kick your ass, made this money from propane bitch, I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine bitch, shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments, fuck with me I keep a rocket launcher in my basement, Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar But I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement That's my purse I don't know you If you
you running up, then I pull out this 32. Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew. I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue. God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit up, man, goddamn. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Oh man, goddamn. Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy. I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy. All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass, jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man. Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man. I'm about to kick you out of the house.